it is a big problem, but it's not necessarily a problem because these customers are bad customers. No, they have just, uh, in some cases, they have just not been exposed to credit before. The definition of thin file actually encompasses mul multiple segments. Uh, it could be a millennial, not freshly graduated, not uh, that has always used either a prepaid card or a debit card, not a credit, and therefore has not generated a enough data to allow Experian, FICO, TransUnion, Equifax to collect data about their repayment behavior. It could be a white-collar immigrant you know, coming into the UK, for instance, or US, and by simply because they may be a doctor, may be an engineer, but simply because they don't have credit in the US or in the UK, then they have no access to uh, credit in their country. Uh, myself, when I uh, studied in the US, I had to take a, my very first credit card was with Target, and Target gave me $500 in, limp, in a credit line. But the challenge was that if I had used the full amount, I, that would have affected my score with uh, FICO. So thin files are not just subprime customers, are also good customers that uh, perhaps even as a preference, they have not asked for credit so far. Today, the main challenge is that banks and lenders in general don't have enough data points to uh, make a good credit assessment of these customers. It doesn't mean that ThinFile is a bad customer. I'm going to disagree with you slightly there. I've always been of the opinion that banks are quite happy to lend money to people who don't need it but won't lend money to people who do need it because the people who do need it might be a, a higher risk for whatever reason. And I'm also going to disagree with you on, on the data points because you say banks don't have the data points. Actually, they probably do. They just don't recognize that they do. That's also true. I mean, it, uh, banks, I, I have worked in, uh, in banks in the past and I know how much siloed, uh, they, uh, silos they have between even uh, different segments of the same retail bank. You, know, you could be a small business owner and you're managed by the small business segment, but as, a, as an individual, you, they don't share data among uh, different, two different departments. So uh, no, I agree with you. Also, banks have, in theory, they do have the role of facilitating the economy to grow, but they tend to extend credit only to people that already have money. And we've, we've got this problem, and, and the number is 27% of the U.S. population has so little credit history, they're considered unscorable. What is your solution to address the unscorable and the thin file customer base? So the scorable and unscorable, from a credit bureau point of view, is the definition is only what credit history do they have? That's why if they don't have enough credit history, the, the population becomes unscorable. What we came up with, and we have not been the first in, uh, in the industry, there were, there were companies before us doing it, uh, but we have found a way to perfect the understanding of and, and the way to extract insights from data that we already generate as individuals every day. No, every day we do telephone calls, every, every day we download mobile apps, we visit websites, we interact with contacts we have on our mobile phones. So what we have done was simply to 
find a way to extract insights from data that is already available there. Uh, the customer doesn't have to do any additional step to make this data available to the banks for a credit worthiness assessment. Uh, on top of that, what we have done is developed a statistical methodology that has found a very strong correlation between some uh, digital behaviors and probability of defaulting or a probability of not repaying a particular loan or a particular credit card. We belong to the alternative data bucket and alternative data actually is a very wide, has a very wide definition. You know, there, there are different types of alternative data right there. The simplest definition to me is that alternative data is everything different from credit bureau data, right? So from, from that point of view, alternative data is rent data, is utility bill payment, uh, telco data. Could be in Europe now, uh, PSD2 kind of data, open banking API data. Could be transactional uh, data coming from a PayPal account. Could be e-commerce data coming from your activity on Amazon, for instance. And plus, you have behavioral data as a subset of alternative data. And among the behavioral data subset, you have digital footprints like uh, behavioral uh, smartphone data, like what, the one that we use. You have also a new product that we have launched recently, web application form behavioral data. And you have also psychometric data. There are differences also among uh, the different the types of behavioral data that you can consider for risk assessment. Like a psychometric assessment looks at identifying your preferences and your attitudes towards repaying, towards borrowing. And they tend to be based on questionnaires that could be quite cumbersome for a user. Now, it could be 20 questions that you need to go through to apply for a simple credit card, perhaps not so user-friendly. And then you have a smartphone behavioral data, which looks at the way you use your mobile phone in an anonymous way, at least that's how we do it at Credulab, uh, looks at your interactions, looks at the kind of apps you download, looks at basically how you use your mobile phone, and we correlate it with the way a delinquent customer uses the mobile phone. Then web application form behavioral data, our latest technology, looks at typing speed looks at how, you, how many times you type something, then you delete, then you type again. Looks at uh, about 120 of such behavioral uh, events on a web page uh, while you fill in the application form. Again, it's anonymous data and uh, only privacy consented and uh, metadata, not actual personal data. This is an awful lot of data you're gathering. How secure is it? And to a certain extent, how transparent is it? Oh, we encourage our clients, banks, lenders, to be upfront with their users, with the applicants, about the data that they collect. Uh, but as you can expect, some lenders are more open to this transparent approach, some others less so. So when you read the privacy policy on credolab.com, we make no mystery about the type of data that we access. 
uh, when you download one of our white label apps, we control the data privacy policy inside the app, so we, uh, we are extremely transparent. But when you look at the privacy policies or, of some of our uh, clients that are using our mobile SDK technology inside their own app, then they, are, they tend to be more uh, generic. They tend to say that they collect uh, device data, they collect, uh, yeah, they don't go to, in too many details. Perhaps they should. Perhaps they should. I mean, that is our recommendation always. But they, uh, they, they are afraid of losing customers for this or uh, not complying with local data privacy regulations. I firmly believe that transparency cannot penalize uh, the way you do business. And actually, customers tend to reward uh, brands that uh, are open, transparent, and they, uh, in that way they generate trust. There is a, prob- a potential problem here. It's not your problem, it's the bank's problem. But the problem I see it is if I apply for a loan and I, or a credit card and I get turned down, I'm going to want to know why I got turned down. Now, yeah. if it's ba- basic credit history, then I can see that. And if there's something wrong on my credit history, I can challenge that with a credit ratings agency and get it corrected. If it's based on the fact that I'm not very quick at typing on my smartphone, I'm going to be slightly more concerned. And it would be a fair concern. But keep in mind that we are nested in... So when you look at the general model of a bank, uh, the very first credit check they do, even could be a soft check also, is with the credit bureau. So the very first filter comes always from the bureau. And, and then they come to Credolab or other alternative data providers, score providers. And uh, so when the customer is, does a, it fails the bureau check, then we are only giving the customer a, an opportunity to be assessed again. But uh, when you look at the reasons for the projections, the very first one is the credit bureau score. So we are nested in that sense under the bureau, after the bureau score. How fast can this process be? Because I'm thinking that the way the world has changed in the past six months, more people are online, more people are doing their banking digitally. How much pressure do you remove from a bank in terms of handling that online volume? So our solution accesses data and processes data and calculates a score in one second. So we return the alternative score in under one second to our clients. The amount of data that you refer to is actually good news for us. We have more uh, digital footprints have become a lot wider, a lot bigger, and also a lot richer since COVID-19 started. And to be frank, we were also worried during the lockdown back in March if our behavioral score would be still stable. When you have so many people downloading so many more apps on a daily basis, I think App Annie, a, a mobile marketing leader in analytics, they found out Chinese consumers spent five more hours per day on their mobile devices in, uh, in the lockdown compared to the average of 2019. Five hours is a lot of time, right? So that means that people have downloaded more videos, watched more videos, used more apps, and different type of apps. 
So we saw an increase in type in a business category kind of apps because people are working from home. Uh, entertainment, gaming, of course, it went a lot up. So analyzing the kind of category of games that you are playing may give us an additional insight into, okay, are you a gamer or a gambler kind of profile? We don't access data without the consent of the user. Uh, that is a very strong requirement of our technology. Uh, we don't spy, so to speak, or, or uh, scrap data uh, without the user knowing it. There is always a, uh, an opt-in, actually. So we were worried that uh, our score would not be stable. And actually, we were proved wrong by our own uh, statistical research. And we saw that by comparing data pre-COVID-19, uh, the period between October and December 2019, and then during the lockdown, uh, January to March, uh, Chinese data, and then April to June, we realized that the population stability index, uh, the PSI, the index used to measure stability of a scorecard, didn't, didn't deteriorate, which meant that customers, our clients, the banks, could have made the same decision relying on this behavioral score. Of course, risk went up, but the predictiveness of our score didn't change. And this is extremely important now that most jurisdictions, most countries have introduced payment holidays. So payment holiday is a good thing for the market. It's a good thing for consumers. However, it doesn't allow lenders to report late payments as delinquent to the uh, credit bureaus. What that means is that credit bureaus cannot help lenders in return to discern who is a good customer and who is a bad customer, who didn't pay back because he was, go he was not going to pay back anyways, and who didn't pay back simply because a temporary loss of job took advantage of the payment holiday, but then intends to pay back as soon as he is back on track. This is extremely relevant to markets such as UK, US, Canada, Australia, and all other countries where there are credit bureaus, and the central banks have imposed payment holidays. So for the next nine to 12 months, these credit bureaus will not be able to generate a meaningful score just because people will not, uh, they will not know if somebody was delinquent or not. So when we introduce a stable score, so what we can help banks to do is to use our behavioral assessment to filter customers that would have repaid anyways, you know, even if they took advantage of payment holidays, but they from a, a behavioral standpoint, they looked like customers that they would have repaid. So it's a, it, it could become an instrumental part of the recovery strategy. Now, now that all banks are starting to think what to do, right? They panicked, they stopped lending, they restarted lending to the top 10%, the cream of the cream of the cream of their customers, but that's not sustainable, right? So now they need to restart. And I believe a solution like ours, proven to be stable, can help them to do that.